Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Indeed, today is the day the Lord has made. We are rejoicing and we are glad in it. I am Carmen LaBurge. It is the 11th of October and it is Friday. If you do a little Friday happy dance, now would be the time. Friday, Friday, Friday. Um, Okay, so normally on Friday, we uh, get to have a conversation with Adam Holtz from Plugged In at Focus on the Family. He has sent in his stead today. Paul Ace, uh, a colleague at Plugged In, and I'm going to talk with Paul about uh, several, what I will describe as media-related headlines in just a moment. But I feel compelled to start off with this because I am engaged in what I would describe as a fairly contentious conversation on Twitter. And for those of you who've never been engaged in a conversation on Twitter, the back and forth can become, um, hmm, what might be a good word to use here? Um very pointed and sometimes uh, in the other person is intentionally uh, seeking to be ignorant of the point that that they are making. And so let me just say that intellectual honesty is something that I am calling all of us to today as Christians. Um, In order to really respect the dignity of every other person, each and every one of us needs to enter into conversations with some intellectual integrity, with some honesty. And so I'm going to keep that before us today. And so if you are off to school today or you're off to work today, um, or maybe you are going to be at home today fasting and praying for something happening in our community uh, or in the world that God so loves, um, approach each and every one of those conversations, the conversations that you're having in prayer before the Lord, the conversations that you are having with your kids or kids are having with other kids at school um, or kids, the conversations you're having with your teachers and other adults. We need to be honest honesty is not just the best policy. Honesty is actually godliness. And so let us be honest as we enter into this day. Um, One of the very first questions that I ask myself as I am testing my own thoughts against what the mind of Christ might be on something, you know, I ask myself this, is it the truth? Is it the truth? Is what I'm hearing this other person say the truth? And what is the idea that I am formulating in response to what they have said, is it the truth? Am I speaking truth? Am I intending to speak truth? Um, and then you have to figure out how, how you're going to speak that truth in a way that demonstrates love in all of its um, beauty. Uh, so that's going to be a test that I would like for each one of us to apply, not only to our thoughts today, but to our conversations. Is it the truth? Is is this person with whom I am conversing or listening to, are they speaking the truth? And if not, how am I as a person of truth going to stand up to that and going to call that out? Um, and I actually find that simply saying to the other person, I don't think you're being intellectually honest. I think you actually know better than what you're saying right now. I think that you are um, seeking to provoke 
a a debate that is not really debatable. Um, and so let's get to a place of common ground where we can both agree on what the truth is in terms of this reality or situation. So find a place of common understanding where you can at least both approach whatever then the topic is from uh, from a mutual common ground. And if you can't find pretty quick common ground with that other person in terms of what is real, um, then it may not be a conversation that you're called to have. And I think that's okay as well. It's okay to walk away from a conversation and just say, you know what, I'm uh, um, I, I just don't feel like we're at a place where we're both being totally honest. And so I'm I'm not going to have a conversation. I'm not going to continue a conversation. You know, that just feels like uh, there's no intellectual honesty. So uh, you have permission to do that today as well. All right. Next up, Paul Asay from Plugged In. We're going to talk about the Adams family, Gemini Man. Hmm. Maybe God friended me, a bunch of other stuff. Sesame Street. Yeah, we got something for everybody. Talking now with Paul Asay from Plugged In. You can find him at Focus on the Family. You can find him at PluggedIn.com. Paul, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here, although it's a little early for me in, in Colorado here. <laughs> I, I know it's really early for you, but uh, yeah, usually I'm, I'm, I'm still snoozing about this time. Well, aren't you glad this is radio and not television? That's all I'll say. <laughs> there you go. You got there that you go. right. Um, okay, so so let's jump in. You guys, um, you you review movies at Plugged In, but you also talk about other things that are happening in media. And so I want to have kind of a wide-ranging conversation about some media headlines that are out there um, right now. But let's start with some movie reviews because people have the expectation we're going to do that on Fridays. So um, <laughs> let's, let's if, if it's okay, let's dispense quickly with The Addams Family, and then let's talk a little bit more about Gemini Man. You bet. You bet. Adam's Family, a PG movie that's animated. Obviously, it's it's part of a franchise that's been around essentially since 1938. The Adam's Family originated way back in a single New Yorker cartoon, believe it or not. And so we've seen movies, television shows, the whole gamut. Um, and, and now we have this new iteration of it in, in this animated film. Um, it is a bit problematic, to be honest with you. Now, obviously, The Addams Family, anybody who knows what this franchise is about, it's sort of macabre, it's creepy and it's kooky, as the theme song says. Um, this particular version is a little bit crasser than I was hoping it would be, too. Um, you have a, quite a bit of toilet humor that surprised me. Um, you have a few little asides to some sensuality that will probably fly right over uh, kids' heads, uh, but adults will certainly catch it. And maybe for Christian parents, the biggest problem is it, it does delve into a little bit of occult spirituality. You have a seance, you have a Ouija boards shown, um, and I think that that can be really problematic for a lot of Christian parents. It, obviously, it's all done for laughs. It's not meant to be taken seriously, but these are issues that, that families are really going to need to grapple with before they decide to pack up their kids and, and go see this. So this is not one that you would necessarily snap to. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, let's talk about Gemini Man. Gemini Man, I noted, was trending on Twitter, which ordinarily means people are pretty excited about something. Um, tell us about Gemini Man. 
You bet. This is a Will Smith action movie. Uh, PG-13, it is kind of what you would expect from a movie like this. You know, there's a lot of action. There's a lot of violence, um, some language that you have to be aware of. It has sort of an interesting little twist in that Will Smith plays this hitman character. He's supposed to be the best at what he does, but he's wanting to retire. But as you know, Carmen, uh, trying to retire from, from the assassin business can be a difficult thing. And so he's being chased by this, this quasi-military uh, organization, um, private military organization called Gemini. And they're sicking on him uh, what they think is the ideal assassin to take down this assassin. And that's a clone of himself. It's a younger clone. And so you have a lot of CGI in this. It's It's... It's pretty well done. You know, the CGI is getting better and better. Uh, but the younger Will Smith still looks a little weird to me. He he has sort of that, that uncanny valley type of feel. He just doesn't look quite right. And so it sort of puts it put me off a little bit as a as a movie reviewer. So I, again, I think that this is a movie that that if you're familiar with sort of these PG 13 action movies. It's fairly of a piece with that, but I think that that for families who are looking to take their kids to this, definitely check out the Plugged In Review before before going off to see this sucker. All right. So, um, and again, PluggedIn.com is where you want to go for movie reviews and all other kinds of cultural conversational tidbits. When we got to take a quick break. When we come back, I would like to talk with you about this Sunday night program um, that's it, that's called God Friended Me. It's not mm-hmm. new. It's not in its first season. But um, it since being introduced in October of 2018, I would say that it has introduced some storylines that if parents are not watching with their kids and yeah. if people aren't familiar with the drag culture today, which many Christians are not going to be familiar with, um, then you don't really know what's being introduced in this show and in this program. And so I want to have that conversation when we come back. Paul Asay is here from Plugged In, and we'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Paul Asay from Plugged In. Um, All right, tell people what they need to know about God Friended Me. Um, it, It is a program that I will admit um, I was aware of when it launched, but have never watched until this past Sunday night. Mm. And I was surprised. Um, I was surprised by this Sunday night's storyline, which featured someone whom I recognized um, because I'm at least marginally familiar with um, this RuPaul's Drag Race, which is a show that features people in drag, drag queens, and one of those people is now a minister of a church on the God Friended Me show. This was yeah. uh, kind of shocking. Yeah. You know, it's a really interesting thing. God God Friended Me came out about three seasons ago, I believe, and and it's a CBS show. It, it focuses on an atheist blogger who actually gets a strange friend request from someone who presents himself as God. Um, the show has been essentially about his search for who this person is, because of course he doesn't believe in God. So he's looking for him. And so the question that sort of dangles out to uh, viewers is, is this really God? Is this sort of a tool to help change his mind or to do some good in the world? Um, so that's the central premise of the show. 
Um, but <laughs> Carmen, it when you're dealing with shows like this, what, let me back up. When we first started watching this show, I review TV, and so I was pretty familiar with this show when it first came out. Uh, and I was really gratified to see that a show like this would come out that deals so explicitly with issues of faith. You know, it's it's nice to see something that's on network TV that speaks to a faith audience because we really don't see that hardly ever. Um, so I was, I was excited about that. I was intrigued by uh, the level of thought that was sometimes put into this show in terms of, in terms of what it had to say about just sort of that tension between faith and secularism. But all that said, it was never really a Christian show. It was designed to, to maybe pull in some Christian viewers. But when you're talking about a network show they're always trying to pull in viewers from every quadrant, every segment, and and you can't uh, you can't necessarily expect it to to sort of adhere to what you wish as a Christian they would adhere to. Um, and so yes, it's gone through some some strange storylines that I think are really disappointing to to Christians such as you and I that 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 sort of run counter to our understanding of the Bible and spiritual truth, and. <sighs> It's it's a difficult thing as a Christian to sort of process this when you see something that that you think shares your values and then all of a sudden you discover that it doesn't. Um, that can be kind of a heartbreaking thing. Um, it, it's it's sort of the nature of of network TV. I think that that we always have to be wary of what we place our trust in. Um, I, I don't think that anything within the culture. Even even things that that feel good and right at first, we know that the culture is fickle. We know that the culture can can move on a dime and and move away from the things that we really believe in. So you always have to, even things that seem like they're really good, we have to just sort of we have to just sort of always be a little bit wary before fully embracing them. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, I um I have some at least one pretty well-developed uh, Christian worldview teenager in my house. And mm. uh, and I will say that um, the conversations that are provoked by this kind of content on television um, are actually pretty, pretty healthy because it's mm -hmm. one thing to know, to be very, very clear that, you know, God created us male and female, that God's design for human sexuality is in the context of one marriage between one man and one woman, um, that that is reflective of an eternal reality that from Genesis to Revelation, God takes a bride. I mean, like she knows all of those things, right? So she knows, um, you know, she knows in her mind and in her heart what is right and what is righteous. She's then confronted with something that is where the person is not presenting as their biological gender in mm -hmm. a role, in this case, the pastor of a church and it seems super nice, and don't we want everybody to have a church to go to where they feel comfortable and affirmed? That's really the storyline. And, right, um, right. you know, I'm not in a church that affirms me. I mean, the whole storyline this past Sunday was I'm not in a church that affirms me, and so I'm now going to go to a church that does affirm me. And it's, uh, you know, and instead of, hey, God's glory is at stake here and uh, and a righteous witness to who God is and how God has made us and what in the world God has put Christians in the world to do, right? So I do think that for all of the um for all of the reasons that we might be tempted to not 
watch these kinds of programs or engage in conversations. I think that uh, using them positively and proactively, which is what I feel like you guys do at Plugged In, like, right, you're giving us the talking points for not only uh, maybe how to watch something critically with a critical mind, but also how to then engage in the conversations that are happening in the culture around these around these topics. Yeah, and I think that's absolutely right. I think that that's incredibly valid. I think that that one thing as consumers of entertainment, as we all really are, um, we need to go into the things that we watch, the things we listen to, even the games that we play with our brains engaged. Um, we need to be thinking about what's being um, transmitted to us. We need to be thinking about the deeper issues in them. And and shows like this really can be tremendous catalysts um, for both conversation and really for self-reflection too. You know, I think that that sometimes as I look at my career at Plugged In, there have been certain movies that have challenged me and challenged my faith to think about it in a different sort of way. And I find that that's incredibly valuable to because I think that sometimes as Christians, we can sort of sink into our own little bubbles, our own little safety nets, if you will, and and not really uh, challenge what we what we think and what we feel and really go out and, and try to express what we think and feel to other people. Um, it can be sort of this religion of comfort. And I think that God kind of wants us to be discomforted at times. He wants us to be challenged and to really think about what we believe about him and about the world around us. And I think that that sometimes shows like this can be a great catalyst for fantastic conversation um, and, and really to say, what is it that I believe in? Why why is it so important to me? And 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 these these things, even if they run counter to what we know to be true, they can strengthen our faith in a curious sort of way. All right, I want to. Um, we we have like one minute to talk about this Sesame Street storyline oh. that was introduced. That's just so precious. So we have this really young Muppet who is dealing with a very big adult issue. Her mom is an addict. Um, give us just give us the insight into what's happening here, because we might have to return to this conversation again. You bet. You bet. Yeah. Sesame Street has has long sort of embraced some difficult storylines through its Muppets. You know, sometimes these these Muppets are dealing with some very, very difficult issues. And that's what we have here. We have a we have a 60 year old Muppet whose whose mom is has some addiction issues and she's trying to deal with those. Um, and, and grappling with those issues as, as she's she's trying to teach kids how to count and read and all that kind of stuff, too. This is a really important thing, I think, because our culture, sometimes I think we wish that our culture was was uh, was kinder and gentler than it sometimes is. There are kids who are really dealing with issues like this. There are kids who, who, who whose parents are going through some really tough times. And, and for Sesame Street to have a character on its show that helps these children really grapple with with that and to reassure them that their parents' issues aren't their fault, that is kind of affirming to me. And I think that, mm -hmm. that hopefully it will lead to some some good things down the road for those for those kids who are challenged by that in their own lives. Yeah, I just I think I appreciate the constellation of resources that they bring together, the videos that they're posting related to it. Um, I think it's a, a, a really positive uh, use of media. All right, that's Paul Ace. Thank you so much for being with us today. You guys can check out what they're doing at pluggedin.com. Paul, you're welcome back anytime. 
Thank you so much. We appreciate it. We'll be right back. All right. So we are um, we are fast approaching the bottom. Well, we're at the bottom of this of the of the second hour. We're not fast approaching it. We're there. We've arrived. All right. So um, sometimes when I am preparing for the show, one of the things that I do is I kind of check the check the social media feed of my guests and I seek to kind of understand what's going on in their in the conversations that they're having, the things that they are talking about and covering. You can actually, you know, gain a lot of information about what's happening in somebody's world um, because of how they engage on social media platforms. And so where we ordinarily talk with Chris Martin about, you know, sort of what's happening in all kinds and varieties of social media, I'm actually going to have a conversation with him today about his own social media feed and some things that he has shared there, um, because I do think that there are more personal conversations for us to have with one another than just the conversations about the headlines. So we're going to go beneath and behind the headlines and just have a personal conversation next with Chris Martin from Lifeway Social Voices. Can you identify the difference between normal and abnormal teenage behavior? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Typical adolescent flaws include things like moodiness, laziness, and irresponsibility and present no real cause for alarm, but other behaviors such as blatant rule-breaking, excessive risk-taking, or the threats of suicide are likely signs of a much bigger problem. For teens, misbehavior is like a flag they're waving high in the air to get attention. It could mean that something is seriously wrong, or they're struggling with the pain of some trauma from their past. So if your teen exhibits abnormal behavior, don't ignore the warning signs. Get a professional counselor involved if necessary and help your teen get his life under control before it's too late. Parenting teens isn't for the faint of heart. Want more help from Mark Gregston? Check out his latest resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org. Martin is back from Lifeway Social Voices. Chris, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, so um, you know, in all of the positive ways, I'm I'm uh, following you on Twitter, not in any way that's creepy. Um, but you posted something uh, very recently about PewDiePie, and I feel like there's a lot of people who may have missed the one time I talked about PewDiePie here on the air uh, because it was in relationship to um, Fortnite. And again, I have now spoken a person's Twitter handle and the name of a game about which I know almost nothing. So why why should people care that there is somebody out there on YouTube who uh, who goes by the name PewDiePie? And um, and why would you use your social media platform to tell us we should know about him? Sure. Uh, so the reason people should know PewDiePie exists is because he has 100 million subscribers, 101 million subscribers on YouTube. And um, the daily videos he posts garner more views than any nightly news program or late night talk show anybody watches. His daily videos he uploads of um, reviewing internet memes or playing video games attract between 5 and 10 million views. And that's that's every single day. Um, so he's a cultural force that is affecting 
um, our culture, particularly younger people across the world. Um, he's he's originally from Sweden. He lives in the UK. And um, but people all around. I mean, I think his biggest audience is probably in America and then and then the United Kingdom and then elsewhere. Um, but he's affecting culture more than any of the names you would consider celebrity. Um, he has more influence than any of them and probably more than multiple of them combined. And so I think it's important for us if, you know, a lot of Christians uh, care a lot about culture and they, and they want to affect culture and, um, and redeem culture and, and point the culture back to Christ. And I think if we're going to do that effectively, we need to um, not fall into the trap that is believing that the people who have the Tonight Show are the most influential because that's what was true in 1960, but that the people who have subscriber bases of over a hundred million that can that uh, whose content is in the pockets of our teenagers every single day actually have far more in, like PewDiePie has far more influence than Jimmy Fallon, and a lot of people have no idea who he is, uh, and that's important because what that is is that's a blind spot, and so I'm all about both personally and as much as we can throughout culture and Christianity specifically about shining light on our blind spots. So we don't have them as much as we do. I also, I've been observing that one of the ways that you engage on social media, particularly with people who like I, I might follow them as well. And so I feel like I kind of know who they are and what they're thinking about. Um, it's obvious to me when you know somebody personally and you are trying to help them um, see their see a blind spot that they may have. Talk about how um, how we can engage on social media in in conversations that we would actually be having face to face with another individual if we were in that kind of proximity with them. Um, because I feel like that's kind of a delicate it's it, it's a delicate um, balance of speaking directly to a person who I actually like know in a face to face way and would talk to. Um, if I were with them face to face, you know, in a way they would just say, look, you're clearly not getting this. Um, and yet on social media, I recognize there's a lot of other people watching not only what we're saying to one another, but how we're saying it. Yeah. So like last night, um, you know, you're referencing this. I was engaging with a guy named Dan Darling, who you may or may not have had oh, on yeah. the show before. Everybody be knows him. Everybody here knows him. Yeah. yeah. So, so Dan and I are really good friends, and um, we both live here in Nashville, usually have lunch once every month or other month or so. And um, so he and I are really good friends, and um, we trust each other. We uh, we love each other. And so last night well, – I won't get into the details right now, but basically I only try to engage in – I don't know if you'd call them arguments or just like disagreement discussions. Like we weren't arguing, I don't think, um, last night, he and I, but I only – express disagreement with someone online anymore uh, with whom I have a personal relationship. Um, so if there's some, like if I thought my friend Dan last night t tweeted something egregious, like like terrible, I would have texted him. I would not have called him out on Twitter. Um, mm -hmm. But he, uh, the specifics last night is he was kind of bewildered that people uh, who are politically left-leaning, Democrats or, or liberal in general, uh, were kind of outraged at Ellen DeGeneres for taking in a Cowboys-Packers game this past weekend in the suite that George W. Bush was sitting in. And he was like, why can't we just like love people with whom we disagree and who we don't agree with on policy and politics issues? And Dan, his 
his platform is all about recognizing the human dignity of other people and respecting other people. And I think he's really, really good at that. And I think it's an incredibly important message. But what I was trying to help Dan see, because I've read a lot of these articles about people on the left who are mad at Ellen for hanging out with George W. Bush um, and then defending herself about it on her show on Monday, I think what what I was trying to help Dan see was that uh, the critics of Ellen DeGeneres, who, you know, who typically would side with her on things, her critics aren't upset that she was hanging out with someone with whom she disagrees politically um, because the people who are criticizing Ellen don't think that George W. Bush is just someone with whom Ellen disagrees politically, but that he's someone who, in their eyes, has the death of thousands of Americans and Middle Eastern people on his hands because he entered a war we shouldn't have entered. And so what I was trying to help Dan see last night, um, and what I tried, this is something I try to do, whether it be through private text messages or if friends tweet out things that I think are maybe missing the mark or, or maybe not, not seeing things through the eyes of the people they're criticizing. I just want to help my friends see the world through the eyes of the people that they're criticizing. So Dan seemed a little bit surprised by or bewildered by why people would criticize Ellen for hanging out with George W. Bush because they disagree politically. And my point was that the problem isn't just that they disagree about how public money should be spent or something like that. It's that the people who are criticizing Ellen think that she was hanging out with a war criminal. And that's that's why they're so upset. They're not just upset that Oh, they think differently and they're hanging out. And that's how he was kind of painting them. So that, like you said, is a great example of me, whether because I'm doing this to myself all the time uh, or with friends. I'm like, hey, let's see things from the other side's perspective and try to, you know, they're outraged about this or that. Um, we might think it's silly that they're outraged about this issue. But instead of saying, hey, you're really silly for being outraged about that. Let's let's try to understand the world as they understand it and try to see why they're so outraged, even if we disagree with it, just try to look at the world through their lens. Um, and then maybe we'll better understand them and be able to give them a little bit more grace. I'm talking with Chris Martin from Lifeway Social Voices, and he and I will be right back. Talking with Chris Martin from Lifeway Social Voices, and Chris, I appreciate your willingness to come on air and just be real and talk about, you know, how you engage on social media and the kinds of ways in which you get engaged. And so I want to thank you for the ways in which you've already done that this morning. Um, you you recently have shared some things on social media that um, many people may think to themselves, wow, I don't think I would tell other people that on such a big, in such a big way, on such a big platform. Um, so do you recognize now what I'm referring to <laughs> without my saying yeah. it? Okay. Sure. Um, and so you've just been talking about, you know, that life is hard. And so maybe you could just share with folks what you're experiencing um, that's, that's hard and why you chose to share that on social media. Yeah, sure. So I, I, had to be careful writing about this online um, in the same way that I'll, I have to be careful talking about it just because so much of uh, like the last year has been tough for me because of uh, so many changes at work. And it's not because of anything anybody did wrong or there's no one there's no one to blame at all for this. 
Um, so it's not like a, a bad thing in that way, but at, I work at Lifeway Christian resources. And if anybody's listening who, um, knows anything about Lifeway in the last year, we made the decision to close all of our brick and mortar retail stores, which, um, was a, obviously a major decision that, uh, Lifeway did. We didn't want to do that, but it kind of financially, we kind of had to. And, um, that was just honestly one of like a dozen changes that have happened in my work life in the last year that have just made this last year really difficult for me. A lot mm -hmm. of people um, from Lifeway have moved on to other jobs, um, mostly willingly. Um, and just because, you know, they decided they wanted to go back and work at a church or they wanted to go do something else or whatever. So I, a lot of my best friends in the world that I would see every day at work, um, I don't see anymore. Um, maybe I'll see them occasionally, but I definitely don't see them every day. Um, my job changed a couple times and, um, expectations for, for what I do have been unclear at times in the last year. So like that can, that has, has made work a little bit more difficult in the last year. So, so all of that's to say a lot of transition and changes have happened to me in the last year. Um, that any one of them would have made for a difficult few months and all of them together have just made for an overall difficult year. So I, you know, the, the reason I'm even on this radio show every other week for the last five years now, almost, um, is that I used to write this blog called millennialevangelical.com. And about a year ago, year and a half ago, I stopped writing that because just life moved on and I talked about it on here and I was taking over student ministry at our church. Um, but really a lot of it too, was that I started to lose the desire or the drive to write. Um, and I, in the last year I've probably written three or four things online, like publicly, because it's just been really hard to be creative and to write and to come up with things to say. I'll sit down and try to write something. I'll write maybe half a blog post. And then this thought will come into my head that says, why are you wasting your time doing this? Nobody cares what you have to say here. And then I just stop and I save it as a draft or I delete it completely and I move on and I don't try to write again for another three months because it's so frustrating. Um, so finally I sat down and I wrote a blog post this week about my burnout, which is I finally in the last month or so, I, you know, I was feeling discouraged. I, my attitude and emotional health hit a sort of rock bottom. It's never hit before. Um, I, I thought, is this anxiety? So I Googled signs of anxiety and I thought it could be it, but not really. Is it depression? I Googled signs of depression or symptoms of depression. I said, no, I'm, I'm not sad. It's not like that. So I said, what's going on? And then I thought maybe this is burnout. And I've read a lot about burnout. Um, I looked it up, looked up the symptoms of burnout and I said, that's it. It's burnout. I know it's burnout. And I, it was, I was so happy to discover that I was feeling burned out. It's kind of ironic that it was the happiest I'd been in weeks. Um, and I realized that, you know, I've been overly frustrated with myself or with other people. I was having difficulty focusing. I had physical signs of stress, um, feeling exhausted or unable to focus, um, things like that. And, um, and so it was really helpful for me to recognize that and recognize why that was happening. Um, and so I've just tried to implement in the last couple of months uh, strategies to protect against further burnout and to help me try to dig out of the sort of valley of the shadow of burnout that I feel like I've been in. Um, and so I, I share things like that online because I it's always been really helpful for me to see – first of all, it's therapeutic to write and talk about it. Um, 
And I don't like writing things that nobody else gets to read because I feel like it's just kind of like hiding my light under a bushel, I guess you could say. Um, so I, I like to write about it and then I, I publish it broadly and post it to my almost 2000 Twitter followers because it's always helpful for me to hear and see that other people are doing these things and going mm -hmm. through these things. And my hope is that by writing about it, I can help someone else see like, oh, maybe that's what I'm experiencing. Or if they know they're experiencing it, oh, here are some helpful ways to combat that. So that's why I write about it. I, I don't, you know, it's not fun to share difficult things about myself and what I've been kind of enduring, but I do it for the sake of maybe helping other people. Well, and it's an honest reflection of what Christian, what the experience of Christian discipleship is like. And so, you know, you are a guy who is in the Word of God. You, you're you in the church. You're actively engaged. Um, you're in ministry. You happen to work in an environment with other Christians, um, you know, actually on Christian content. And so to, to be honest about the fact that um, even when all of those things are true, and you have a dog, like, right? And, exactly. you, live in, and you live in Nashville, like, right? So, um, so uh, even when all of those things are true, there are seasons of our lives where there are these valleys that we walk through, and it does not necessarily have to be. I mean, I think we, we, we recognize that people who have experienced some side of, some sort of dramatic trauma or some sort of, of devastating loss, like we recognize that they um, they walk through these valleys in their Christian experience, and we talk about that a lot. We don't often talk about the valleys that we all walk through um, yep. as as a part of our Christian um, experience. And so, um, so I just wanted to thank you for doing that. Maybe encourage people. Um, because I have one listener who's concerned that, you know, maybe you're not in the Word, maybe you're not in the church, maybe you're not, right? Um, encourage people that uh, this is actually a part of uh, of your experience in the midst of being in the Word and being in the church. Of course. Yeah, 100%. And, and I think no matter how much you're in Scripture or how much you go to church or even work on a church staff— um, you know, if you're in a work situation that's really difficult and you're in scripture even for an hour a day, which would be more than the average Christian, and then you're working for 40 hours a week, that one hour a day in scripture doesn't necessarily combat that 40 hours a week mm -hmm. of difficulty or frustration. So I think it's that's one of the things that's really helped get me out of the valley and helped me start walking out of the valley. But it's not something that prevented the valley from occurring in the first place. Right. Hey, Chris, thank you so much. Um, we appreciate you. We appreciate your candidness and your honesty. And the next time you're going to have to tell me what VSCO or Visco girls are, because I don't know. I would love to have that discussion. <laughs> All right. That'll be next time here on Mornings with Carmen. Chris Martin, thank you so much. All right, friends, as always, I'm going to encourage you to be in the Word of God before you go out into the world that God so loves. So let me know where in the Word you are today. And let me also remind you that uh, as you go, you are called, you are commissioned to make disciples. And so everything that we're doing every day in every moment is, is either positively or negatively reflecting on Jesus. And so you are representing Christ to the world today. Um, in the spaces and places where you function. And so I just want to help us uh, to be reminded of that, not only today, but this weekend. Have a great weekend, and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. 
That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.